You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. This episode of Mission Log is brought to you by Star Trek Spirits. Visit StarTrekSpirits.com today to preview all the new Romulan Vodka and Romulan Rye. Take 10% off your order with special code Roddenberry at StarTrekSpirits.com. This episode is also brought to you by Rocket Money. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash mission log. That's rocketmoney.com slash mission log. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, episode 476, Resolutions. Welcome into another episode of Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm Norman Lau. And I'm John Champion. Each week on Mission Log, we stare longingly at every episode of Star Trek, massaging them deeply to explore their morals, meanings, and messages to see if they withstand the test of our longing. I, I mean, I mean, time, time, the test of time. This week, resolutions. The one with, well... <sighs> Perhaps the most famous back rub in Star Trek history, and a monkey. A space monkey. I'll be back with trivia in a moment as soon as Norman tells all of you how to reach us. Mission Log is a conversation about Star Trek. Drop us a line at missionlog at roddenberry.com and join us on Twitter and Facebook at Mission Log Pod. While you're at it, leave us a review and a rating at Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And please remember, your comments could be used on Mission Log or Engage on the Roddenberry YouTube channel. We'll have John's trivia in just a moment, but first, a word from one of our sponsors this week, Star Trek Spirits. By now, you've heard us talk lovingly about our friends over at Star Trek Spirits and the products that they make. It's just a little reminder for you that those beautiful bottles that they make, they are individually numbered, they are limited edition, and they took years to perfect and years to come to market from their world-class spirits team. And it's not just what's outside that counts, it's also what is inside that counts. And Norman, you and I have had the great opportunity to uh, to taste and, and kind of professionally taste mm -hmm. some of that rye and uh, had a great time doing it. Well, the rye is fantastic. The Romulan vodka is fantastic. And the interesting thing about both of those offerings is they both come in this custom-designed, handmade bottle with... This incredible technology that uh, has the metallic gold hot stamping of the Romulan logo and some of the marketing, Romulan marketing in the actual glass <laughs> itself. So it won't wash off or yes. it won't rub off like when you're washing it uh, in the dishwasher or by hand. But the most important thing is that they're both filled with these incredible world-class spirits for both the rye and the vodka. And from what we have been told, it's the most technically challenging project that Star Trek spirits have done to date. So it's their mission to create this wonderful new line of ultra-premium spirits worthy of the Star Trek universe. And after tasting both of them, we can easily say that they have hit their mark. 
Yes. So they are out now. And all you have to do is go over to StarTrekSpirits.com. Of course, you can be added to their mailing list as well to be notified of future releases. And uh, at one time, Norman, they did actually sell out and then they got more product back. So uh, don't delay. Go check them out now at StarTrekSpirits.com. So when you go to StarTrekSpirits.com today, you can check out the Romulan Vodka and Romulan Rye and you exclusive for our listeners. You can take 10% off your order with the special code Roddenberry at checkout. Remember that StarTrekSpirits.com and use the code Roddenberry at checkout to take 10% off. And now, to get the monkey off his back, here is John with this week's trivia. All right. So trivia for today's episode, Resolutions. It was written by Jerry Taylor. Keep in mind that even though Jerry was a producer on Voyager and in TV, writer and producer are sometimes interchangeable job descriptions. Season two is where Jerry has the greatest density of her writing credits on the series. This one was her concept, though she did have some input from others on the staff. Specifically, Ken Biller had pitched some ideas that were played with but ultimately didn't make the cut. Uh, In fact, he had one idea that would have involved Voyager coming back after decades to rediscover Janeway and Chakotay and presumably their children. Uh, The writers also toyed with the idea of how far they would push that romantic relationship with Biller advocating for more is more while Taylor stayed with the less and wanted the audience to fill in the blanks for themselves. It was directed by Alexander Singer, and it's always nice to see Alex's name on an episode of Star Trek. Just as a reminder, he was a fan of TOS in its original run and was working on the lot next door at Mission Impossible, but never got his chance with Trek until 1992 when he helmed Relics on TNG. Now, in Voyager, we have covered his work on Tattoo and Threshold, and he'll be back for seven more episodes spanning through the fourth season. Uh, Let's see, about the location. They did shoot some location shots in the Angeles National Forest, which is northeast of Burbank. Or if you're like me and you want to have some really good Chinese food in Alhambra, then you're looking at a drive due north to get into Angeles National Park. Of course, uh, they supplemented that with studio shots, but there are some nice, legit location shots in there, too. Let's meet our guest stars. Now, sadly, we don't have a name for him, but there is indeed a trained spider monkey in this episode. And his whole trick was being able to stand and walk upright on command. And that is how he got the job. It's actually what won over Rick Berman, and he said, hire the monkey. Now, welcome back for one final time to Susan Deal as Dinara Pell, the one-time girlfriend of the EMH. Also, welcome back to Simon Billig as Hogan. And we have a new member of Voyager's crew in a little more prominent role this week than last week. That technically in Tuvix would have been the first time we met her. That would be Ensign Swin, played by Bonnie Turpin. And these are her only two Star Trek appearances, but she's got a long list of other TV guest roles from sitcoms to dramas and a few notables like Lois and Clark, Six Feet Under, and Cold Case. Get ready for a very soothing episode of Voyager. It's like a back rub, but for your brain. Prologue, 
On a lush and verdant planet somewhere in the Delta Quadrant, Captain Janeway and Commander Chakotay are awakened from their stasis units located in the middle of a green field. The doctor informs them that they have been under for 17 days, while both he and Kess have worked tirelessly to find a cure for a disease only Janeway and Chakotay have contracted. This disease can prove deadly, but only if they leave the planet, forcing Janeway and Chakotay to maroon themselves until a cure can be found. The doctor suggests contacting the Vidians for medical aid, but the captain and Chakotay agree that this option is far too dangerous. Janeway then contacts Tuvok and grants him permanent command of Voyager with her express orders to avoid the Vidians and to return Voyager's course back towards the Alpha Quadrant while she prepares her final words for the crew. Act 1. In the ready room, acting Captain Tuvok and the rest of the command staff are still shocked with Captain Janeway's last set of orders. Tuvok maintains that after they beam down the proper research technologies, weapons, tricorders, shelter, and even a shuttle for transportation, that Captain Janeway, who Tuvok also points out is an able scientist, may find the cure that would allow her and Chakotay to rejoin them. Tom believes that Tuvok should at least feel some kind of remorse from what's happened, but as a Vulcan, Tuvok fails to see how feelings, no matter how appropriate, would help the current situation. After dismissing the staff, Harry remains, sitting still and alone. On the planet's surface, Janeway and Chakotay are beside themselves at the sheer mass of resources that Tuvok has beamed down for their extended stay, which bolsters Janeway's optimism in finding a cure, including tricorders, a replicator, a portable lab, furniture, and a shelter, which Chakotay sets out to assemble in the beige colorway that Janeway suggests. She also hints at wanting a bathtub, but will have to quote-unquote rough it with what was provided. Chakotay is taking everything in stride, except for when Janeway tells him that since they are no longer on a ship, he can dispense with the command structure and now just call her Catherine. Back on Voyager, it appears that the crew haven't adjusted to the loss of Captain Janeway and Commander Chakotay. After berating an ensign for submitting an error-laden report, Bellana is interrupted by Harry, who has come to her, hoping that there is something that they can do about their current leadership situation. On the planet, Janeway and Chakotay have changed out of their uniforms and have settled into their makeshift shelter. She even needles him a bit about his long and mysterious disappearances into the woods, to which he only hints at building something. Just then, Tuvok makes contact, and Janeway knows it's time to say goodbye, as she addresses her crew for the last time, thanking them for everything, but especially for the fun and laughter that she will never forget. And with that, on behalf of the crew... Acting Captain Tuvok bids them farewell and to live long and prosper. Act 2. In her personal log, Janeway says that it's day 24 on the planet they have officially dubbed New Earth. She continues to problem solve and multitask while soaking in her bathtub as Chakotay is inside their shelter working on a sand painting. Suddenly, a nearby rustling startles Janeway and she calls for Chakotay, who sprints into action with phaser and flashlight in hand. They quickly discover a primate who appears to be curious about his newfound neighbors. However, it appears shortly after first contact as Janeway wonders if it too has to contend with insect bites as she stands there awkwardly next to Chakotay wearing only a towel. Putting on a robe and getting right back to work, Janeway believes that there may be something she missed in her research related to the primates on this planet. But Chakotay, former first officer notwithstanding, points out that maybe they can find the simple good in the situation of this new life together that they have been dealt. 
Back on Voyager, according to Tuvox logs, it has now been six weeks since they broke contact with Janeway and Chakotay. On the bridge, Harry has picked up a Vidian convoy on long-range sensors, and he believes that their advanced medical technology may hold the key to curing the captain. Tuvok is unmoved by Harry's impassioned plea, which escalates into near insubordination, forcing Tuvok to relieve Harry of duty. Later in the mess hall, Hogan and the ensign who Bellana chastised earlier approach Harry and reassure him that a great deal of the crew disagree with Tuvok. And after approaching Bellana about it at a nearby table, Harry reveals his plan to her, which after much deliberation, he then takes to Tuvok early in the morning before Harry's duty shift. Harry believes that Dinara Pell would help them, along with offering the Vidians access to more of Bellana's DNA, which has been proven to resist the phage. But Tuvok believes the risk is too high and orders Harry to stand down or face the consequences of being relieved of duty permanently. Act 3. Janeway emerges from the shelter and informs Chakotay that she is heading out to check her traps for more insect specimens. Chakotay is hard at work building headboards for her bed, so she is more comfortable when she's reading. Janeway feels as if Chakotay has given up on their search for a cure, while Chakotay believes that he is making the most of the situation instead of settling for living in just a gray box. Before she leaves, he asks Janeway why she's so resistant to this being their possible future together. She admits that one day she may let go, but not today. After venturing deep into the forest to check her insect traps, Janeway comes face to face with the primate again, with whom she tries again to communicate. Suddenly it begins to shriek as the skies darken and winds whip up around her, forcing her to run back towards the shelter. Shortly after, Chakotay finds her and gets her to safety, explaining that their tricorders didn't detect this walloping type of plasma storm coming. And after the storm subsides, their tricorders report that most of their encampment, along with Janeway's research, has been destroyed, forcing her into that decision of finally letting go. Meanwhile, on Voyager, Kess meets with Captain Tuvok in his ready room and shares with him a story of her father, a wise man who Kess compares to Tuvok through that very wisdom. Tuvok is honored by her story as she continues to describe how deeply Tuvok cares about the safety of his crew, to which he adds how much he too has lost a valued friend and is not immune to the effects of such a loss. Kess urges Tuvok to share this with his crew, who need to hear from him so that he understands their feelings. And when he does, he comes to the decision that the best course of action for the well-being of his crew is to save Captain Janeway and Chakotay by negotiating with the Vidians as per Harry's plan, with one caveat, that no matter what happens, it is Tuvok's decision alone, as are the consequences for disobeying a direct order. Act 4. Tuvok and Harry establish contact with Dr. Dinara Pell, who is immediately sympathetic to Tuvok's request for aid. He explains to her that Captain Janeway and Commander Chakotay were infected with a rare disease through an insect bite. Dinara knows of that particular insect well, and her people have already created an antiviral agent to combat the disease, of which she agrees to share. Tuvok is grateful and agrees to rendezvous with Dinara at a specific destination in 20 hours. However, Tuvok believes that their travel time would be best utilized by engaging in repeated battle drills, just in case. Back on the planet, Chakotay believes that there is sufficient wood to not only repair the shelter, but actually build a log cabin for them, a skill he learned with his father years ago. Janeway shares memories of her family outings, which she absolutely hated in their attempt to connect with their pioneer roots. Just then, the primate appears to add even more levity to their situation, 
as Janeway and Chakotay continue to labor away, making progress towards building their new life together. Later that evening, Janeway admits that she is not used to that kind of hard labor, as her muscle knots developed into their own knots. Chakotay reflexively stands behind her and begins massaging her upper back and shoulders, confessing that his expertise in the matter came from massaging his mother's sore neck when he was younger. And in that moment, Janeway stands up, turns to face Chakotay, and distances herself from him with a very formal good night. The next morning, Janeway sits with Chakotay and believes that if they are to spend the rest of their lives on New Earth, then perhaps certain boundaries need to be made. Chakotay responds with a legend from his people of a warrior who learns to value the needs of a female warrior placing her needs first, even before his own. Janeway sees through his story as Chakotay admits that it was just easier to explain himself that way as the two clutch each other's hands from across the table. Back on Voyager, Tuvok and his crew arrive at the designated coordinates given to him earlier by Dinara Pal's captain. However, he soon finds himself surrounded by three Vidian ships who have ignored all of Voyager's hails and have powered up their weapons. Act 5 As the Vidians press their attack, Tuvok loosens the reins and allows Harry to target the Vidian ships and fire at will, including the use of several photon torpedoes. Meanwhile, in sickbay, while in the midst of treating several badly injured crewmen, the doctor is interrupted by a direct comm signal. It's Dinara Pell, addressing him as Shmulis, and explaining that she had no idea her captain and convoy were going to betray her in this way. However, she has the serum, but no way of transporting it through Voyager's shields. The doctor has a plan, which requires Tuvok's assistance, and even though he is engaged in his own tactical maneuvers against the Vidian attack, Tuvok has one shot at surviving this encounter, and with the serum needed to save the captain in Chakotay, as long as each department executes their responsibilities exactly as ordered. And as soon as Voyager drops her shields, the doctor transports the serum into sickbay, just as Bolana fires an antimatter container at the Vidian convoy, just as Harry fires a photon torpedo at the container, just as shields are raised, and lastly, just as Tom maneuvers them away at full impulse as the antimatter device explodes, crippling all three Vidian ships and ending their pursuit. With the serum intact and safely aboard Voyager, Tuvok orders a course to New Earth at warp 6. Back on the planet, Catherine is enjoying planting her crop of Talaxian tomatoes while enjoying a hot cup of coffee held in dirt-covered hands. Chakotay enjoys seeing her in this new light as he asks for her opinions on plans for a new boat as he wants to build for her so she can explore the nearby river. However, they are soon interrupted by a faint signal from their comm badges. As it clears up, they are surprised to hear Tuvok, who informs them that they have the medication to cure them of the virus and will arrive in 30 hours. And when Voyager arrives, the primate appears one last time to say goodbye to Janeway, now back in uniform, as she hands over her new Earth home to her only native friend. On board Voyager, everything is status quo. Janeway forgives Tuvok for disobeying her direct order, believing he was suffering from a certain emotional state at the time. And once back in her chair, and Chakotay back in his, their Starfleet formality returns to form as they sit side by side as Captain Janeway issues orders and Chakotay sees that they are followed. The End Nicely done, Norman. Uh, thanks for the recap. And uh, look, I, I'm so glad that we have returning guest stars so soon. Stasis Tubes, 
you know, always great to see a returning guest star like Stasis Tube. So soon after the thaw, I, I like this motif. I love I, I like to make, I, I love looking at uh, like the production, like in these Stasis Tubes. Yeah. They, there's this yeah. wonderful kind of. I guess the the way to describe it is this Herman Zimmerman era esque of design continuity, and mm-hmm. those are totally like in that aesthetic. Yeah, there's a lot of hardware in this episode, and and what is very cool about it, one of the cool things about Trek in general is just you get to create everything in that universe from the ground yeah. up. So a lot of little details there. When you've got a master designer like Herman Zimmerman doing it, it's all going to look good together. Not enough hexagonal duffel bags or, you know, <laughs> I, 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 come on, people. Like, that no. needs to be done, like, a little bit more, with a little bit more immediacy, uh, immediacy with uh, cosplay. I haven't seen enough I, I, of those. Right. I agree with you there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I got to say, like, I, you know, we've talked about how some of the teasers in Voyager will be very long, or in this case, I like how it's so short. But man, it just cuts again right to the worst possible thing to happen. Mm-hmm. Just stranding the captain and the first officer. It's already been days. We're catching the story 17 days after it starts and just telling the ship to leave. I love how we're just thrown right into it like that. I really like the lighting on Tuvok in the he was in Janeway's uh, ready room and he he's sitting mm-hmm. there yep. kind of like half in the light, half in the dark and it's very symbolic. Like yeah. something's happening. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Do you like mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I mentioned the hardware uh, that I like and I also love the idea of, like, we'll, we'll come back to this as well. Like, I love the idea of roughing it in the 24th century it includes a replicator. Right. Like, oh, we're we're away from our ship. <laughs> we, we may be stranded here, but we have this magic box that creates anything we want it to. <laughs> you know, that is my idea of roughing it. That is how I would like to camp in the future. I'm so sad. Uh, I didn't put this in my notes, but I was just thinking about this. I'm so mm-hmm. sad that they didn't take the opportunity for, like, say, Jinwei to contact Voyager and say, hey, can you send down a pot of hot coffee? Oh, see, that's uh, we're always missing You're going that. all the way yeah. to uh, the enemy. Yeah. Within, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so Tom knows that Tuvok is Vulcan, right? So yeah. asking him to, like, say, show any emotion really doesn't really need to be asked, right? No. In, in, unless no. it's, you know. You should just start off acknowledging right away, like, look, I know that you're Vulcan. Yeah, it's, but, yeah, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ask it anyway. But uh, also, uh, but the scene yeah. in, uh, so at the end scene of uh, that Ready Room sequence, so we saw Tuvok uh, in that wonderful lighting scene earlier, and then we see Harry in this wonderful lighting scene at the end of this scene. So it's like it's like a nice visual yeah, cue that alone. something's going to be happening between yeah. these two characters. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Very I like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of people playing true to form, I love Bellana <laughs> talking to Ensign Swin, just looking at the report. There are mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love I love the vagueness, yet the accurate criticism <laughs> of her report. Yeah, just like middle management. This isn't done right. Well, can you tell me what you've done wrong? I don't know what you've done wrong, but yeah. I know you didn't do it right. I, it it's exactly right. yeah now go fix it so yeah. here's an interesting thing so uh harry comes uh and kind of like saves swin from like getting like really chewed out but he says like mm. i've been talking to some of the starfleet crew and then obviously you know he wants to ask balana about the maquis crew i'm like i thought that's all been settled uh-huh. you know until yeah. it's not yeah. been settled yeah that's kind of a weird division yeah. to make yeah um starting timestamps off with uh, nine minutes 28 yep. seconds so Futuristic non-Starfleet leisure wear equals 24th yeah. century Renfair wear. Oh, of right? course. Okay. Of course. It, you, you're either a Starfleet 
or your future okay. Ren Faire. Just <laughs> that is right. the way it works. Gotcha. Absolutely. Right. I mean, they got a replicator that can make anything, but no, no, no. The, you just program it automatically to 24th century mm-hmm. Ren yeah. Faire. I, I mentioned it before in the trivia, but nice little blend of location and studio. I thought that was effective. And actually, the studio, they managed to give it a little more depth, a little more scale than very often we get with those, you know, trees and grass uh, settings that they'll create in there. I did have to wonder about communications range. Voyager's pulling out. You're just losing. You're getting that little bit of static. And they're just losing that signal very quickly. I mean, they do apparently have a Type 9 shuttlecraft on the planet with them. How about maybe leave them with a subspace relay? Yeah. Would, would, that, would that be so bad? Like, they can continue to try to stay in touch with Voyager. They could also maybe continue to send out a message to anybody else that might help. So, as with a lot of things, the range of subspace comms is as far as the script needs it to be. That's like, how fast is a turbo lift? I will yeah. do you one better. So okay. because their situation is dire, because that if they cure themselves from the disease, then why not take the chance of using Tom's transwarp shuttle <gasps> and catch oh, up with Voyager, yeah. risking salamander transformation? But it's worth it. Why not? Right? Why not? I, look, if, if you become a salamander once and get cured, you can do Just it again. Saying. Right. Just saying. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I thought it was interesting that Janeway gets a goodbye message to the crew, but not Chakotay. Yeah. Did anybody ask? Maybe he's got a message to leave for family back home. Maybe not. Maybe they just they weren't too concerned about that. Also, a little disappointed that the name of their planet is New Earth because <laughs> I had I thought that was pretty weak. I, I had some suggestions. Maybe uh, Chakotopia. Oh. Jane Waypoint, yeah, Jane Waypoint Station. Like that. Um, anything more creative than New Earth. Okay. So yeah. there is a scene where Tuvok says, you know, the captain and the first officer. I'm like, you know his name. Like, why did you say right. it that way? It was so weird. Yeah, yeah, very But I do weird. like uh, yeah. Jane Waypoint Station. I'm wondering if there are really nice scarves there, can, if you can pay with credit. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Of you course. Know. Of course you can. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Janeway talking about research. Uh, and doing work in a hot tub kind of defeats the purpose of having a hot tub. <laughs> she can't turn it no, off. I guess yeah. not. <laughs> that was Janeway's curse. Um, yeah. All right. So I'm going to, I'm just going to be blunt about it because, so yeah. I'll be honest. So I took a screenshot of this particular scene, timestamp 13 minutes, 10 seconds, and, uh, yeah. and increased the contrast and brightness so I could see exactly where Robert Beltran's eye line was. It's hard yeah. to miss Chakotay in this scene stealing a glance at Janeway wrapped only in a towel. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, totally. And look, there are a lot of moments like that in this episode where it's subtle but not so right. subtle. You know, they, they are absolutely they're, – they're playing it only a few split seconds, but those split seconds add up. And you're just going like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, here's what we're doing. And it's a great example of show, don't True. tell, you know. Mm-hmm. Space Monkey – Gotta love Space Monkey. Uh, <laughs> adorable, yes, but also Janeway. Look, you have no idea at this point. Could be vicious, could be poisonous, could be a shapeshifter coming to, oh. yeah, could be all kinds of things. You got to be careful in her first contact. It's so yeah. funny because the two times or maybe three times where she saw the monkey, she held out her hand and said, are you hungry? Well, you don't have any food. So why are you asking if it's hungry? It's not like you're offering it like a space <laughs> right. banana or something. <laughs> Right. right. Ooh, space mm-hmm. banana. Yeah. That's what Goes the with space episode. banana pudding yep. and space vanilla wafers. Mm-hmm. For the, yep. the full space yep. southern aesthetic for that. Yes. 
Tuvok exactly. says uh, to Harry, that bit of sophistry is not terribly persuasive, Ensign. I didn't know that word until he said that. So I had to look up the word sophistry, uh, yeah. meaning subtly deceptive reasoning or argumentation. That is a so great now word. You know. I was like, and, and, now, and now that you've heard it, you've heard it in use. Like, now you know exactly what I know. it is. I was like, wow, yeah. man, I did not deserve the English BA that I got. So there you go. now you're gonna use it all the time gotta say i love tuvok's very purple environment and robe the color coordination with the lighting and the clothes i'm gonna start doing that myself brilliant and a funny moment if i can just go back to the monkey for a Mm -hmm. second janeway's standing there talking to the monkey the monkey's looking up and she goes what's happened to the sky like well janeway first of all the (laughs) monkey can't answer you second of all you've seen bad weather before so a little, yeah. little strange, mm-hmm. but yeah. Let's go back to Voyager for a second. Kess. Kess, absolutely. Here's one of those moments yep. that pays off. Kess is absolutely the right person to try to break through to Tuvok. And I'm so glad that you have that background of their relationship, their friendship, because that is the kind of moment where that I also off. like her longer hair. You know, her hair has grown. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It has. Yeah. Yeah. She looked great. I, I love the little plot or a character detail rather that Janeway hated the pioneer roots <laughs> of her family. And she is a child of the 24th century because I totally get this. I want the comforts of technology yep. at home. I understand. Speaking yep. of comforts, John. Oh, okay. This. So going right to the it. back rub. Wow. So. I know that this started like literally like the firestorm of fanfic shipping. Um, that yeah. was obviously significant. Yeah. Not as significant to Cote's story for whatever that it, that was. <laughs> well, uh, okay, let, okay. Let me just say I'm glad that they subverted yeah. that. Because even at this point in season two, it's kind of it feels like they have created their own meme with Chakotay as a you know an ancient story I, that of my kills people. me, dude. and I'm just saying my eyes roll into the yeah. back of my head like oh no not again. I'm glad they subverted that. But the hand this. clasping at the yeah. end was really powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. Hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other really powerful thing that I actually I had to freeze frame rewind a couple of times make sure I caught it right that one tear. That Janeway has. I, I, it slipped me by on the first watch. And then later on, I was like, oh, wait a minute. That is actually a tear. And it, and it wasn't – I mean, clearly it was a tear of uh, multiple mm-hmm. meanings, you know. Uh, she has this sort of resignation to where she is, but this uh, feeling of love, warmth, safety, uh, this breakthrough that she has with Chakotay, kind of breaking down those barriers. thought it was a really nice moment. It didn't over-dramatize it. It just dramatized it. Did enough. you watch the streaming or on DVD? Uh, streaming. But I, I always watch it through the Apple mm-hmm. TV interface, which smooths out some of those uh, egregious errors. When I was watching it streaming, I did catch the one tier. Then I watched it on DVD, and I caught more. So there were actually three mm-hmm. tiers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, there was wow. a lot more wow. fidelity in the DVD uh, version mm-hmm. of it, where you could see a lot more of that emotion um, happening. You know, as uh, you know, and and be and, you know, all credit to Kate. I mean, she was really like allowing that to happen. 
you know, uh, with yeah. tears. Yeah. Um, speaking of allowing things to happen, so Tuvok walking onto the bridge and Cast because Cast like persuaded him to do that. Loved that scene. Um, yeah. But I just loved him like striding into the room and and uh, kind of you know making this piece you know with the bridge crew. Mm. But that's a lot of bridge crew that was going on in that scene. Like <laughs> that. I mean, have we ever seen that many yeah. people on duty at one time? Well, see, I watched it and I had to wonder what was the moment right before yeah. that? What is the moment right before Kess goes into the ready room? Does she say to everybody, yeah. like, hey, come up mm-hmm. to the bridge. <laughs> I'm about to go do something. <laughs> and everybody keep your eyes on the door. No, that's a good point. That's <laughs> a good know? point. Like the, the, yeah. the scene leading up to the scene. Um, mm-hmm. Got to call out the 47. So timestamp 37 minutes and 41 seconds. Tom Paris says, shields down to 47%, sir. There are just too many of them. Mm. Yeah. Yep. So Got to love yep. that. Uh, Got to love yep. the return of Shmulis. That was such a great callback. Right? Yeah. Yes. Love that. Love that she it, it just it reflexively just calls him Shmulis. That That is who he is to her. That was great. So I have to wonder at the end as they're coming up with this plan, which is a cool plan to get away. You know, get the, get the uh, antivirus. You got to leave behind a charge. You got to detonate it. You got to go. Like all of that. Very cool. Is it really the best thing tactically to wait for the captain to call out every move during that battle. Like, so think about this. He, he has to tell Harry Kim, load the torpedo bays, lo- load the aft torpedo bays, and then fire. I mean, first of all, that is wasting precious time. And then once they come up with that very complex plan, Tuvok is still there calling out the order of every step. He already told them this has to happen simultaneously. Right. He he just said that, but then he's like, okay, now lower the shields. Now Dr. Beam that over. Now drop the antibody. <laughs> like, no, dude, we're wasting As time As I said here. in my recap, like, and uh, this happened, and this happened, and this happened. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right, yeah. right, right. And by the way, and I hope they can get some new antimatter somewhere because they just – here, they, they just dropped that off and blew it up. Talk about – doing a lot with a little as our many moments in this episode we talked about the tear we talked about the these moments these glances really like the moment of realization for Janeway and Chakotay as soon as they hear from Tuvok that they're rescued like I mean they don't have to say anything they just have the look there's this and wow and the there's world this changes. weird kind of um kind of a similarity to like what happens after summer camp kind of like in Greece, you know when when danny mm. and sandy finally met each other and all of a sudden they weren't the same yeah. people that they were when they saw each other at the pier summer loving etc etc you know they become they yeah. have to snap back into the roles that they're familiar with that they've been defined by and you're watching that happen yes. you're like oh the heartbreak because you know you know what you yeah. saw and they know what yeah. they did but that's not to happen yep. i guess at least yeah. not yet. At least not yet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right, right. Hey, uh, just to make a little real-world parallel here, you know, I think back to the last few years as of uh, the recording of this podcast, and great strides were made in vaccine technology, and uh, that great stride can be used potentially for a lot of other treatments, for a lot of other diseases. Well, if the Vidians are so advanced and they have this incredible antiviral treatment, is that going to be applicable to anything else? I mean, now that we know how it works and we beamed it up and we've got a copy of it, presumably 
maybe that can come in handy sometime in the future? What if the space monkeys or what other visitors stranded on the planet devolved into? At least they're more cuddly than space salamanders. We'll be right back with more of Resolutions, but first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, it is still the new year, Norman, and uh, I'm sure that you and I and a lot of our listeners, we kind of have resolutions in mind. Oh, uh, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Clever. Not just the episode that we're talking about, but maybe what you're doing. Maybe maybe one of your resolutions is to, uh, to work out a little more or spend a little more time on a hobby or... Maybe, maybe one of your New Year's goals is to manage your budget better and save yourself some money. And uh, I've got a suggestion on how to do that, maybe by using rocket money. I love that suggestion. As you know, rocket money was formerly known as Truebill. For all of you who need help managing your finances, it's as easy as using an app. Rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. you got to love that kind of convenience. Over 80% of people, if you didn't know this, John, mm-hmm. they have subscriptions. Maybe like you or I have subscriptions about services that we don't even use. And like that one streaming service you signed on for or that free trial that you've never used again. But Been those – are actually being charged to you. So Rocket Money will find and ID these subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want. It makes it so easy, and that's what you want. You want to save money, and you want it to be convenient. Rocket Money does that at the click of a button. Find those subscriptions that you don't want and press cancel. And Rocket Money, it'll cancel it for you. So don't worry about the weird customer service. Don't worry about the back-and-forth emailing. This is what you need to use. And also, over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to 720 bucks a year. That number always blows my mind. But you know what? I, I, I believe it because it does add up. I mean, I've been looking at my subscriptions the same way, and I realized that there are literally services that I signed up for to do one thing, to watch one movie or one show, and then kind of told myself that I would cancel it, and then I didn't, and it sticks around in that three bucks or six bucks or 10 or 15 bucks a month, it adds up. I realized that I actually had two subscriptions to the same service. Oh, no. I'm embarrassed to admit. Yeah, yeah. So we can all get a better hold of our finances by canceling those unwanted subscriptions, and you can use Rocket Money to do it the easy way. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash mission log. That's rocketmoney.com slash mission log. Again, rocketmoney.com slash mission log. So Norman, one of the first things that I thought about is that every now and then Star Trek will do this thing where it gets to take our characters and remove them from being Starfleet. It gets to remove them from their jobs and just lets them be people. And in Next Gen, it was a great conceit to have the holodeck to do that, get people literally out of their Starfleet uniforms and into something very different where they can be a different character. Um, you go back to TOS and you go back to an episode like uh, The Naked Time, where you get to break down some of those barriers around characters and let them express maybe what's happening a little more deeply in their psyche. And I like this Mm -hmm. episode for the same reason that we get to just 
start out practically with our characters out of work mode. We spend so much time with them in their functional roles, just being Starfleet. Uh, it's kind of like how Riker said that his job is his life. Uh, you know, and that, that's something really kind of disturbing about that. And here we get to, to break down some of these characters in the 24th century and just let them be who they are. And it's a breath of fresh air to, to see them drop that you know, the job is my life mode reluctantly at first, but then they, mm -hmm. they kind of quickly adopt it. I want to answer that with uh, a saying from my oh, people. Oh no. My people oh, no. have a saying. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. So my people have a saying, even the eagle mm. must know when to sleep. Mm. Maybe it's time we both consider that. Yes. Yes. No, exactly. Okay. So, okay. Look, look, folks, relax people out there. I'm just making yes. light of what was happening there. But in terms of what John was saying, there's an interesting dynamic here when we're looking at how we are defined by who we are versus the positions that we're in or the job responsibilities, you know, that quote unquote supposedly define mm -hmm. who we are. We are more than just a title. We are more than just uh, a captain or a first officer. You know, we're people. Yeah. And I think that the interesting thing about what happened with Janeway and Chakotay down on the planet, of which Janeway really kind of uh, maybe, I don't know, addressed a little too quickly, you know, when she said that, you know, we're not in the command structure anymore. Why don't you start, you know, thinking about calling me Catherine? Mm -hmm. That was interesting because of all people, I thought that she would probably want to hold on to the formality of their command structure longer than not, you know, so it it did throw a little bit of an imbalance between the relationship very, very early on. But going back to the whole, who are we, you know, and, and in terms of our roles, if we were in Starfleet, that define us, if those are gone, then who are we, yeah. right? You know, if those titles and those responsibilities are gone in the real world, is that just who we are? Is that how we're defined? Is that how we're molded to be? Is that how people perceive us and not give us a chance of actually being able to be ourselves? Think about you know, Think about people. how cleverly different the approach is here in the early days of Voyager compared to the early days of TNG, where it took time to get to know Picard for sure. And the, those first moments of Picard are like barking out orders and get the kid off my bridge. And he's he's really right. making an effort to not be a, a fellow crewman. He's being the captain. You know, compare that to scenes that we've already gotten with Janeway not in her uniform or in uh, some of those heart to heart moments with Kess in particular, like these lovely, very personal scenes that immediately set you up to think like, oh, OK, these are characters who have lives outside of their jobs or personalities outside of just their function. Um, and we don't get that with everybody. I, I think some of those are t uh, those attempts are less successful than others. But at least when we're dealing with Janeway, some of those I think are just right on and, and pay off here yeah. because we have gotten to see them a little bit as people. Now we get to see them more as people. When you're watching an episode like this and you're seeing Janeway in a different gear, in a different light, mm -hmm. you know, with uh, smiling more, laughing more, reacting to things more, you know, with a little bit more of uh, an, an organic approach to, you know, her character. And this is Kate mm -hmm. as she's, you know, interpreting kind of like these less structured, less formalized moments with Chakotay's character. Is that off-putting? Mm -hmm because we're not used to that? Do we accept the fact that she is this different character, but, or is there kind of like a certain level of Starfleet rigidity that's still there 
because maybe that's the way that Kate's interpreting how she's bringing a different level, a different organic change to Janeway. That's interesting time. because I I almost feel like, okay, in the other version of the script that exists where they're stuck there for 40 years, then maybe you could see Janeway in a much more profound change, you know, losing a lot of that rigidity. Um, but in this case, we're, we're dealing with, well, only, as a big finger quotes around that, only about three months. But in that three months, she has dropped a good amount of that formality. Part of that's just baked into her, though. I mean, that, she's, yeah. she's in the role that she has because that is part of who she is. Um, so maybe she can't dispense with all of it. I, I certainly have an easier time seeing her drop the guard and relax like this than we ever would with Picard up to a point. But it's kind of like with Tuvix, like how long do you hold on to the aspect of hope before you actually mm-hmm. let yourself move forward from that position? Chakotay was resigned to like, you know what? I'm going to make the best out of a bad situation. I don't want to live in this preform, prefab gray box that's been transported down to us. I want a yeah. log cabin. I want a roaring fire. I want to live. Yeah. You know, even though that we're not living the life that we were supposed to, we're living the life that was dealt us. And I never thought that, like, I know that they had that moment, but it's always as if, like, Janeway was waiting for the cure to succeed and holding on to that hope rather than embracing the actual reality of where she was. That's what I love about their dynamic here, though, because they're both right you know that right. they're at odds in in the, just kind of the the day-to-day functional way but they're both right like i love seeing her stay up late and try to solve this puzzle because that's how her mind works of course you know mm-hmm. but i also love yeah. seeing chicote dedicate his time to making their space livable and make, making it more of a home it First of all, it, it speaks to their characters very well. You know, here's Chakotay, somebody who is kind of disposed to living with the land and, you know, and, and using those resources and, and really making himself comfortable with that. And here's Janeway with the scientific mind deciding, like, I'm not going to get beaten by this. This is a problem that I can solve. They're both very respectful of each other's different views on this and and different actions, but they also can push each other just a little bit in that respect too. I, I like as far as putting two people together who have different goals and different motivations, but making them work it out. That's about as Star Trek as you can get. You know that it was yeah. yeah. But it's also a really wonderful opposite to trust. Yeah, right. Happening right, 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 right. Yeah, very, yeah. very nicely yeah. done in that. Well, it, let me take us back a little bit and just ask, okay, is the setup here, because we have to buy the setup in order to go along with the story, but did mm-hmm. they do this right? Like, is this the right call to tell Voyager to carry on without the captain and Chakotay? I mean, I, like, we have to, again, we have to buy that for the story. We have to buy that for the journey that we're on here, but just looking back a 30,000 foot view here is that the right call because i have to ask you this would janeway have done it that way if say tuvok and paris or someone else maybe kes because she has such a strong relationship with kes or anyone else was stranded on that planet below would she say then as captain like no 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 i'm not leaving here without my entire crew 
That's a that's a good question, and it like takes us all the way back to like the argument that we've had about, or, or not mm-hmm. the argument, the conversation that we had about the thirty sevens. You mm-hmm. know, if you are presented with the possibility of living a normal life, you know, with all of the creature comforts to be able to start a relationship, start a family, and actually thrive and have a, a robust future, would you take mm-hmm. it? Right. So. Is that the exchange that we're talking about here? You know, if Janeway believes that, okay, I know that you can't be with us, but much like the end of Dreadnought, you know, in Dreadnought, they said, okay, take your chances in the shuttlecraft and you might be able to survive under the planet. You won't be on Voyager and you won't make it yeah. home, but you'll be able to actually live, thrive, and hopefully create a future for yourself because you'll still be alive. Yeah. And I think that that's the, that's the, the overarching story element here is even though they're not with Voyager, you will still be alive and you can find the promise of being able to create a future because you have the opportunity. You're alive. Mm. You can do it as opposed to not. So I think that's where Chakotay is coming from, from that angle. It's like, you know what? Not the best cards we've been dealt, (laughs) but we can still deal with the cards. Yeah. You know, we're still alive. We can still create something positive out of something incredibly negative. And it's an interesting way of looking at it. And I think it's a very optimistic Starfleet way of looking at it as opposed to let's solve the problem at every single possible cost to Mm -hmm. us. And I think that's maybe where Janeway is uh, disappointing him in some way. Like, look, you're smart. You're driven. I get that. But at what cost? Are you sacrificing the opportunity to start being happy now? for something that may never come later. Well, and, and there you go, because the the answers that these characters come up with may be very different given the situation that they're in the Delta Quadrant 70 years from home, as opposed to this same thing happening in the Alpha Quadrant and you're, you know, a six-week ride from Earth. You know, it might be mm-hmm. a very different situation, a very different answer to that conundrum. You could easily let the ship go and say, all right, well, we'll just, we'll be here until somebody else can figure it out. Now, I, I think we do have to talk about command style because I think that's such a huge part of this episode. Uh, just, just a little. little just you know. a little. <laughs> uh, let, let me say right off here that I uh, – look, Garrett, you're great. I don't really buy Harry Kim's outburst <laughs> on the bridge. And I don't necessarily mm. buy Tuvok's immediately going to threats of the brig. But what I do like is that this episode explores command style and explores the missteps in command. I mean, when you hear uh, – when Tuvok says, if you ever question my orders again, you will be relieved of duty, the next words I expect to hear from you are yes, sir. Wow. Damn. Right. <laughs> I mean – Yeah. But- yeah. But I do like that that was done in the privacy of that meeting. Yeah. As opposed to, say, on the bridge where it would be public and obviously, you know, um, damaging to someone. But on the bridge, he threatened to throw him in the brig. He relieved him of duty and threatened to throw him in the brig. And then Harry's there looking for uh, any kind of acknowledgement from his buddy Tom. Tom's just like, it's not my fight. (laughs) Yeah, it was very strange. And I don't know what the heck happened to Tom. Mm -hmm. Like, after after he got turned into a lizard and got turned into a It all changes like Yeah. Well, that and the whole, like, I'm going to be, you know, this spy and I'm going to do the spy thing and then I'm going to be a hero yeah. and now I'm heroic, but I'm not anymore. I'm not a rebel. So yeah. I have this I have this whole issue with kind of like this, this Tuvix part de, mm. right? You know, mm. what is Starfleet behavioral compliance, right? Because Harry has this plea and he makes this plea known to the entire bridge staff. And he looks at everyone's like, where are, where's my support? Tom, yeah. where are you? My best friend friend the rebel 
like that basically like upsets the apple cart at every single possible turn because that's who you are. And Tom's like shrugs his shoulders like, Harry, don't do it. That's to me that I feel like that's complete false beat to his character in both episodes in both Tuvix and this episode. Agreed. But at the same time, though, I okay. So this is this is a personal okay. note because Harry and Garrett are are very similar or peer in age to me. I love the fact that they actually wrote a defiant Asian male for mm. this scene because that's something that you generally don't see um, traditionally in Asian mm. men. You know, we're not the defiant ones. Tom's the defiant one, and as friends. We love being with these types of personalities, the stronger, rebellious, outspoken personalities, because we aren't them. Mm. But watching Harry do that gives him agency to somebody like me or somebody like me if I watched it at the time, which I didn't, sadly. And watching Harry stick up for himself and his beliefs and the captain. But this also asks the question, since this is Harry 2 from Deadlock. Oh, yeah. Does this add any weight to the uh, to the agency of this new Harry, who him he himself says at the end of Deadlock, I know I'm not your Harry. I know that you're not my captain. So would Harry 1 have acted in this similar manner, or is Harry 2 actually different in this respect? He's got less to lose. Maybe that is the turning point. Maybe that's why Maybe. we can we can accept that. Interesting, interesting theory there. I, I do want to say that as far as Tuvix, uh, I was about to say Tuvix, he's dead. Uh, it's hard to not yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as far as Tuvok goes, I do feel like the exploration here is a bit like Spock in the Galileo 7 with his very distinct lack of empathy or emotional connection to the crew. He can make all the logical decisions, but he can't be an effective leader if that's all he's got. And yeah. which made me then wonder, are all all Vulcan ships like that? You know, if you're on an all Vulcan crew, is it just a series of like bad command decisions <laughs> because you're just going purely? Wasn't that the immunity syndrome? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. We saw what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, Tuvok. It's very interesting. He's such a strong character, but this show is not shy about exposing his flaws. And this is not the first time that he has relied on logic almost to shield himself from what otherwise would be very difficult decisions or uh, a place for valid criticism of what he's doing. I mean, he stands very much in contrast to somebody like Janeway who can make very difficult decisions, but still, you know, goes back to what I was saying before, maintains this emotional connection to her crew and use that as part of her decision-making. I I think it's just so nice to have these very stark contrasts between the captain and the other people who are part of her team and who are commanding in a way, but are lacking something in a command style. I think the difference here between, like, say, Spock and the Galileo 7, which is kind of like the epitome of Spock's inability to understand and read the room, Mm -hmm. and his room was very small in that episode, but it's Kess. Kess, I think, really is the difference Mm -hmm. here, where Kess approaches Tuvok, Mm -hmm. not necessarily in kind of like this, uh, I'm going to manipulate him, but I think she's very empathetic, and I, I think that they have the special connection of her empathy, which gives Kess this wonderful agency of being the counselor without being a counselor mm. on this ship. Yeah. You know, there's a great sense of maturity, even though that she's young for no compen, but, 
you know, we're only really measuring maturity in human years and human experience and not necessarily what that means to be Anne O'Compin. Right. So I love that she she doesn't really push. She just she kind of just gently nudges him and say, you know what? You're the captain. The crew needs you. You obviously are being affected by this. Why not connect with him in that way? Yeah. Right. And I and I love that Tuvok's like that's sound. That logic is sound. And he has to face that what is best for the mission, what is best for the crew, and not butt heads against like his own stubbornness in Starfleet Virginia. Well, and that's what I love about that scene because it, it speaks to another kind of command approach or another kind of leadership, which is all right, what Harry's doing isn't going to get through. What Harry's doing is going to get him thrown into the brig because Tuvok's not mm-hmm. making an idle threat. But an approach that appeals to logic and an approach that is quiet and measured and reasonable, that will work. Like there is a way to actually change Tuvok's mind and get him to see a little bit broader perspective than just the narrow one that he has right now. But it takes somebody like Kess to do it and it takes that kind of measured approach to actually make it effective. If only they had put their prefab home on wheels and put a space monkey in the driver's seat. Wait, that would just be art too. So John, the lights are low. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music is very white. Of course. Um, the massages are ready. Yep. And it's time to take a look at the end of resolutions. I hope and we can do it before the plasma storm and the monkey just show up. Yeah. Oh, the monkey. So it's <laughs> too soon, too soon. Yeah, too um, soon. But yeah, uh, uh, short of me giving you a back rub, which I can't do because we're doing this, you know, nope. remotely. Yeah, inappropriate. Yeah. We're going to take a look at <laughs> does this episode hold up as we do on Mission Log and then uh, finally conclude with looking at the morals, meanings, and messages of which I think uh, we have some pretty interesting discussions. So yeah. let's start off with you. Let's talk about how you felt about resolutions. Does this episode hold up for you? Yeah, well, uh, so let me start off with uh, some things that I definitely like. I really like that there is payoff to the Vidians and to the uh, Dinara Pell character. That was a good way to bring that back in. And I know that we're done, essentially, with the Vidians. So at least we got one last hurrah there. Um, Honestly, I, I feel like this segment is more important for the episode than... Meaning this segment, our discussion here in the fifth part of our podcast is almost more important uh, than the previous segment where we break down the heavy discussion ideas, the discussion topics, because part of my experience with this episode is that it isn't so much necessarily about the experience of the episode. It's hard for me to separate the content of the episode from the production of the episode. And let me explain. So – the content is fine. You you have a perfectly workable A plot and a B plot, which are relevant to each other, and they show character growth all around. And both plots are produced very well and performed very well. But I kept asking myself, why this episode and why now? If indeed it was Jerry Taylor writing a script to, let's say, tease or maybe even appease – a part of the audience who wanted to see a romantic subplot with Janeway and Chakotay, I then have to ask myself if the show should be that reactionary to what the fans or a segment of fans want. 
because that's an interesting problem to have. I'm not a fan of the old cliche, will they or won't they kind of plot that goes on way too long in other shows. This episode is one that wants to have its cake and eat it too. It wants to create the romantic plot and then be done with it at the end. And on the one hand, I like how they do it. It, Isolate the characters, give it a good long time before they can actually have the breakthrough and then slap them back into reality. On the other hand, I have to ask myself if it was really earned. Did I actually want to see them go there this early in the run in this way? I didn't hear Janeway say anything about Mark the whole time. (laughs) And she just did that not long ago in other episodes. So it, it feels like an episode of Voyager where I'm reverse engineering the decisions that were made to get us here rather than just kicking back and enjoying the story. Not to say that I didn't enjoy it, but that is always playing in my head as I review this. And I ask myself if this is just another lost plot thread. And if it is, then would we do that with something important like this? Why why would we do that with something important like this? Now, what I do like is this show taking some time to acknowledge the inner lives and emotions of these characters. We got very little of that in the TOS, TNG years, certainly more of that in DS9. So this feels like a natural thing to do here. So that was my long-winded preamble to answer your question and the question of the segment, does the episode hold up? I don't really know because I think that is dependent. It does in the respect that it tells a good story with many, many good character moments. That much is undeniable. But in the respect that we took this like left turn with a character relationship and then just drop it, I'm not sure that it does because mm-hmm. that alone makes it feel contrived. Yeah. So I want to really like this episode for all of the strengths that it has, but I also feel like it's a superb opportunity that then gets a little squandered. Now, what I also appreciate is they they treated the emotional lives of these primary characters in an adult and respectful way. Like there is something so real, but so tragic, so relatable that they get back to the bridge. It's like, all right, we're we're in our roles now. This is what we do. Our lives, our work. We definitely don't always get that on Star Trek, but but wow, Janeway and Chakotay, they just have some great, great moments here that I think I think can elevate it in a way that maybe when I examine this episode and I say, okay, does it hold up in the overall picture, the overall story of Voyager that we're getting? Maybe not, maybe not. But, but does it hold up just as this one moment, this one blip where we get to get into their heads a little bit and see them in this kind of parallel existence that they could have had, this alternate timeline existence that they could have had? Uh, maybe so. Maybe I can look at it that way to see it holding up. So I'm a little, I'm a little torn. It's like, mm. I, can't, I can't find fault with the episode at all. I, I think it's written well. It is performed well. It is produced well. But then I just keep coming back to why. Is it because, uh, is it because like traditionally, this is that reset button moment 
that we're waiting for. You know, you know that it's not going to pretty much go anywhere further from here. Yeah, but here's the thing. It's a reset button where I feel like there are actually stakes. Like, yes. Like, if you blow up a shuttle in one episode and then you have a new shuttle in the next episode, so what? Eh, I, right. You know, Torpedoes, like, shuttles, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, that's just hardware and you, you could hand wave away uh, an explanation of why they have it, you know. Right. Or if it is a reset button type episode where literally the characters forget because it's an experience that gets wiped out, okay. But this is an episode that leaves you with this lingering thing like, wow, they they actually lived that experience for many, many weeks. Mm-hmm. It's not like it just happened in an afternoon, right? right? But – and like I said, there is this tragic real-world element to it where you just – you got to snap back into professional mode. But that doesn't mean that those feelings just go away. Yeah. So it, it's a weird use of the reset button. Yeah, I, I and I don't know why I'm so ambivalent about this because I, I'm like 99% there saying like, yeah, this is great. I love this. I love what they did. I love the depth. I love the the kind of humanity of it and the true emotions of it. And at the same time, I just think like, okay, in the greater scheme of things, why? <laughs> you know, it, it, because if it's just to say, yeah, we got fan mail from people thinking that there should be a Janeway uh, Chakotay relationship, so we're going to give that to you. But they were going to take it away immediately. Yeah, that just seems like a weird premise to build an episode on. Right. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that's where I am with it. Um, but if you ask me about any moment of this episode, I will sit here and go like, "Yeah, that was great. Sure. That was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, well acted, uh, well produced for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. what about you? Well, you know, I mean, I didn't really get a lot out of, say, the first feeling from this episode, aside from mm-hmm. obviously that scene where y- you felt kind of like the unease of the back rub scene. Like, mm. have they, you know, have they gone too far? Um, has Chakotay committed too fully into this new life and Janeway not? Mm. I mean, obviously that this ambivalence created this entire catalyst that launched like literally uh, a thousand ships, a yeah. thousand ships, you know, back in the <laughs> right. 1990s, if not more, probably millions. But one of the, the, the thing that I always go back to, and I love doing this with mission log is it's not just mm-hmm. the one viewing that we do, you know, yeah. for our research and for our review, it's like the multiple viewings. Yep. And over the course of multiple viewings, you get to see a lot more, you get to peel back a lot more of the story and understand kind of like where the narrative is going. And I really did like a lot of the multiple threads that they were trying to tackle here. So you had on the planet, you had Janeway struggling with letting go of that formal indoctrinated Starfleet discipline, you know, mm-hmm. and, Kate played it well. It, it was uncomfortable for her, but also natural for her to be just uh, kind of like um, effervescence uh, about, you know, being in this new life. Yeah. But you could feel that there is a lot of resistance there. And um, in contrast, you had, you know, Chakotay probably almost living his best life, you know, because right. he's right. not being defined by Starfleet. And maybe that's kind of like maybe the Maquis training in him saying that, you know what, I'm going to live every day as if it were my last, right? Because I mm. can feel that about him. Like, I've learned these lessons from before with my father. I've learned these lessons from my people. I've learned the lesson from the Maquis saying, you know what, every day is a blessing. So now I'm not being trapped by the traditions of this Starfleet doctrine. So, you know what, I'm going to live as good of a life as I possibly can because this is what has been dealt me. 
I think that was really interesting, you know, in contrast to Janeway. But then we go to the ship. And the ship is a really interesting dynamic because you have Tuvok. And everyone who uh, has spent enough time in the original series era knows that the Galileo 7 with Spock is literally the blueprint of what not to do in leadership, right? Yeah, you know, this right. is Spock saying, right. like, logic dictates all. I'm not going to read the room because reading the room means emotions and emotions don't fall into Vulcan logic. However, yeah. I think that without Kess there, without a Kess character there to advise Spock, that's what happens. And you have that wonderful relationship with Kess and with Tuvok, allowing him to grow, you know, into a better level of leadership, you know, and management with his people. Except I wish that happened before what happened with Harry Kim. Because <laughs> and, and, and this is what I love about that scene. And I know that you have problems with it, but this is again as an Asian man taking kind of like an agency with that scene, I love that he is pushing you know, his level of comfort out of the box, way out of the box, yeah. you know, for, for an Asian person, you know? And again, I, I mentioned this before, it's not typical for Asian men, maybe even Asian women, Asian people to stick their necks out in that level, for that level of responsibility or agency or uh, being able to uh, stand up for what is right. We usually go along to get along. See, I, I wanted almost to see him be stronger, I, and I think maybe that's part of like that scene plays so fast with him just deciding right away I'm going to contradict the captain and then the captain being like, I'm going to throw you in the brig and then right. he has to leave the room. I, I, I wanted to see even more growth from Harry. It's not not that I didn't want him to be the one to raise the alarm and say like, no, 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 you're you're doing this wrong. I wanted to see that be more of like the professional Harry Kem and yeah. really be able to make his case. And I feel like in this, it just got slapped down. It, it, I, you know, weird choice. Who knows how many different ways that scene was written before we got what we got on the screen. I mean, it did get slapped mm. down. You're right. But that mm. also goes and informs us with, you know, Tuvok's style of leadership. You know, it wasn't maybe Janeway would have reacted differently or maybe if Harry and Chakotay like had a uh, – it, you know, a conflict of interests where, mm. you know, Harry mm. acted that way. But Tuvok being Vulcan, like the way he reacted was this isn't an emotional debate. You know, this yeah. is a factual debate. This is a logical debate. And Harry's like, no, this is what we should do for our captain. Don't you feel this way about yeah. your responsibilities to what we should do? Don't so, make Tuvok raise that finger. No, then no, 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 I'm surprised no. we didn't get the finger on that one. But, you know, there's <laughs> a in every single one of like the pivotal moments of this episode, you felt that uneasiness, that queasiness in your stomach where Janeway and Chakotay had that moment with the backdrop and it didn't feel quite right. You know, Harry mm. and Tuvok, you know, having that moment, you know, where it didn't feel quite right. It's because they push these characters a little further off center than I think we were, um, that, than we're used to. And that's nice. It's nice to feel that unease with these characters. My issue with, with Voyager, um, with this episode and episodes previous is they don't push hard enough. They never push hard mm -hmm. enough with the series. And maybe that's just the way that the series is. So I do think this episode holds up. I do think it holds up because of what we do with multiple viewings. I'm not sure if people get out of it, what we get out of it with just mm -hmm. one single viewing, but I like that they're building some complexities with the characters. I like that we're seeing a little bit more of a, of, well, for lack of a better term regarding Tuvok, a humanity in these characters where they're yeah. vulnerable, right? Where they're afraid, you know, where they're, you know, they are at conflict with their interests and where they they don't really know how to process that emotional core of where they're at. 
So uh, for that, I like that's this episode. I like for where it goes. I just want these episodes to push harder. But maybe that's yeah. where we're at, <laughs> you know, in this current state of our entertainment, you know, where it's a little bit more uh, controversial. It's a little bit more uh, in your face. And maybe it wasn't that way in the 90s. 1996, I think this was. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, let's talk about morals, meanings, messages. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, this is one of those episodes, again, where where are we asking too much of it to say, you know, what is the UC Timmy moment? And I, I don't think there necessarily is that. But there is definitely exploration of character and exploration of styles here. And I, I'm actually, I'm very amused at the very, like, merchant ivoriness of the whole thing, you know, Uh, when you get Chakotay and Janeway on the planet, that kind of conflicted emotions and the inability to express them and the tragedy of having to go right back to their professional lives that would prevent them from maybe being their true selves. Like that, that's all just sort of relatable, interesting, real human stuff um also that you know work is a pressure cooker and people form bonds and that's normal and it's rare that we get a glimpse of that on star trek and sometimes when we do get it it's a little cringy this is one that it it, it wasn't cringy it just asks you like where is this actually going to go who's going to drop their who's going to drop their barriers first and how will they ease into this new reality so does this episode have a lesson for us to walk away with? And not necessarily, but I I do really like the flexibility and the growth that our characters have. So Janeway has to adapt to the reality of her situation a couple of times, a few times. She has to adapt to the idea that they live on this planet now. She has to adapt to the idea that she can't just solve the problem that they have once her experiments are wrecked. And she has to adapt to the idea that she is no longer Captain Janeway. She is somebody who is about to have presumably a relationship with this man who was her subordinate officer. Mm -hmm. The crew of Voyager, they have to adapt to the reality of their situation. And Tuvok, man, that guy has got some serious growth to do. (laughs) And thank goodness, thank goodness you've got Kess there to help guide him along. Um, But what I really like, and I mentioned this in the discussion part of the show, none of these people are 100% right or 100% wrong. They are making the best of what they have based on the information they've got. And at the very least, they're all willing to bend a little to try to see things from the other perspective. Just take some of them a bigger step to get there than others. But yeah, in particular, Tuvok, he has to learn a lesson in command that it's not all about clear divisions of black and white, right and wrong. He can't effectively have that position until he can be sensitive to the needs of his crew. Nobody can be a leader without some empathy and understanding for the people you lead. That is his lesson. And you'd think for a guy who's as smart about as many things as he is, that's something that we, he would have figured out by now. What else have you got for us? Well, first of all, that was really well said. I love that, you know, that introspective part of leadership, you know, yeah. that you were, yeah. you know, you were, you know, describing with Tuvok. Um, and, and I guess that kind of like dovetails into um, a, a certain aspect of character building here, you know, with this episode. Mm-hmm. You know, this episode, you know, when looking at morals and meetings and messages, some things are very clear. Like you said, sometimes you have that bonk, bonk on the head, Timmy, you know, you see Timmy moment. Yeah. I don't think that 
is here in this episode. And I think that that actually speaks to uh, how how complex some of these episodes that we've had in like the last uh, the last recent few that are actually really, really well written because they're not as easy to identify. So this episode leaves me with more, say, questions than being able to identify specific morals, meanings, and messages. And and the hmm. big one is, when does holding out hope become an obsession, right? When does that create barriers that prevent us from seeing other alternatives or resolutions that may never come? And I would go back hmm. to you know Chakotay when he told Janeway, I can't sacrifice the present, waiting for a future that may never happen. The reality of the situation is that we may never leave here. So yes, I'm trying to make a home, something that's more than a plain gray box. So the big question is, is it wrong to accept what is and build a different and perhaps even a more robust life moving forward than holding on to the what could be? and maybe losing sight of the whole meaning of life, which is to evolve with change, no matter how painful or how powerful. I, you know, I think that's an object lesson in that old axiom about uh, the perfect being the enemy of the good. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, because, yeah, the situation may not be perfect, but it can be good. It can be very good. And Chakotay is right to try to push for that, just as Janeway is right to try to look for a cure. Exactly. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not about, I guess, and yeah. that's a great way of describing it. It's not good versus, uh, you know, a, a good decision versus a bad decision. It's how mm. these decisions work to create a better future, right? And yeah. this is where we see it negatively impact two characters where Tuvok and Harry are concerned because they're not working together. They're working against yeah. each other. And you can see how that, you know, uh, in their relationship when – when Harry challenges Tuvok's command authority, you know, directly on the bridge where he says, don't we owe that to the captain and the commander when they're looking for the cure? And then Tuvok says, the matter is closed, Ensign. Return to your station. Without even, like, understanding where Harry's coming from emotionally. And Harry says, what's wrong with the rest of you? You know I'm right. Now, maybe that's true, but it's mm -hmm. not the right way of doing something. And that's where you're holding out that hope that becomes the obsession, creating that barrier, in this case, between Tuvok and Harry. So when you look at all of this, you know, the big question is, how long do we wait for hope to come? You know, how hard do we need to swim upstream to ensure that moment will come? You know, how much do we need to sacrifice? And, you know, the way that Tom, uh, as Tuvok asked Tom early in the episode, to what end, right? How do we separate the emotional investment from the practical course of action? And is that our personal Kobayashi Maru moment when we have mm. to ask ourselves that decision that tests our character and can we live with that decision? Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. If you'd like to support us directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash mission log for early access to shows and the Mission Log Discord. Our website is missionlogpodcast.com and for more Star Trek news and discussion, visit trekmovie.com. On the next Mission Log, Basics, Parts 1 and 2. Some of the music for Mission Log provided by Warp 11, online at warp11.com. Special thanks to consulting producers, Adam Brusky, Matt Esposito, Homer Frizzell, John Mann, Mike Richards, and Mike Schabel.
It's not normally my place to announce a band name, but Plasma Storm Monkeys is the name of my new synthwave band. It's like a back rub, but for your ears. And transmission. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.